All right. This morning, though, we are concluding. We've been in a series of messages called Relationship Myths, and we are concluding it. And I've been asking you to send us questions, and I said we would answer the questions. What I decided to do was put together. I thought, why should I have all the fun of answering all the questions? And so I decided to put together a panel to help me. And so panel, if you'll come on up, we have Pastor Mark and uh, Elena and then Pastor Bill, Pastor J-Dub, and they're going to be helping me today. We're going to answer questions. And I will say Pastor Jessica was initially on the panel, but with all the festivities, she needed to be in other places uh, this morning um, serving and, and taking care of some other, taking care of our kids and those type of things. And so she said, I just can't do it. So she was going to be on the panel, but uh, I think we'll be okay this way. We, we'll have plenty to say. And so uh, we don't, we didn't rehearse. And so this is going to be very, very fun. And, uh, and so uh, Pastor Jadav, he's so good at praying. He's going to pray for us as we start because we're going to need God's help. God, help us. Um, but let us be intentional about the questions that have been asked, God, to really be able to not just leave this place with knowledge, God, but to be able to leave this place with aid and help, God, to be able to not only better our relationships with our spouses, but our children, our parents, and relationships with our friends. God, I pray that this will be exactly appointed for the people that are here this morning, the people that are watching online. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I will say this, if you, you know, you're obviously in this worship experience, the questions, we actually had so many questions that they'll not be the same. So if you want all the questions, you'll still have to listen in to the 11. Um, so just having said that, we're just going to dive in and uh, we're going to let anyone and everyone answer this one. I, you know, really, we'll, we'll do some conversation. Who knows what we'll do, but... Um, <laughs> Here's the question. How do you keep marriage fun in the various seasons, especially the season when you have little children? <laughs> All right. Who, <laughs> everybody knows Dove. Dove has little kids. I don't know who wants to jump in first. I mean, I have little kids currently, <laughs> um, and they're awesome. I love, I love them, but they take a lot of time. They take a lot of energy, um, and no one tells you that. You know, after you get married, they just say, when are you having kids? When are you having kids? They're the best. And it's typically the, the ones that are going to be the grandparents um, because they want to, to have grandkids. They don't tell you that it is exhausting, that it can drain you, that it can pull away from the relationship that you have with your spouse, um, which is a lot of times what happens. And you realize it's been six months and you haven't even gone on a date. Or you don't remember the last time you kissed your wife. Um, so, so one of the things that, that we try to do, and because I am a typical guy, and I fall into ruts. Anybody else fall into ruts? Any dudes? Like, go to the same... Like, how many of y'all go to Texas Roadhouse every single day night? Like, you know what I'm talking about. You, but you, you get into ruts. What, what I try to do is make sure to, to be intentional. And, and it may seem lame, but I will pull up questions to ask on a first date. And I will ask questions because how, how many know that you change? So I'll like, hey, what's your favorite color now? Like simple. And it's like, oh, well, you know, now it's, it's not pink anymore. It's blue or it's not blue anymore. It's green. I'm like, oh, man, I didn't know that. I'm going to stop and take all of the Christmas presents I just bought you that were blue back. <laughs> get your green ones. Um, but it, but it's, it's you really have to to remember who you loved first. And I think if you can get back to those moments, I think that'll really help you keep it fun. Find new restaurants. Try something different. Go and buy clothes at a thrift store for each other to wear. Um, well, whatever it looks like, just, just have fun. You had fun when you dated. Otherwise, you wouldn't have got married. Um, so get back to dating each other. I think if you date each other, it separates it from being just a marriage. You're dating your wife. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a good answer. I mean, we have, so here's what's fun. I mean, Pastor J-Dub has two little, he and Kayla have two little boys. Most people know that. Uh, Pastor Bill has grown kids. Mark and Lena have one in high school, one in college. And then I have three, two in high school, one in college. 
So, what were you going to say? I, I mean, having fun in your marriage is different when you're 25 than when you're 47, you know? Yeah, when you're 25, I mean, it's, it's like going out. When you're 47, it's going to bed. It's going to bed. That is 100% true. True story. I mean, with, with, to actually sleep. Yes. I mean, when our kids were little, we, I mean, we definitely relied on grandparents to keep Jackson and Kara and, you know, we would try to do the things that we enjoyed. We take the kids. I mean, we love being with our kids and, you know, taking them places with us was always fun. And now that we're older, fun looks a little different. I mean, you know, when we're 25, it's like, let's go out. Let's go watch a movie. Let's go eat. We can make it. We went out two weeks ago. And we were like, we just made it to dinner. We're like, oh, we can't make it to the movie. And then it was Sam's. <laughs> we went we to Sam's. Sam's. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was fun for us. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is, we made it now. So, but now we don't have kids. I mean, the kids aren't there all the time. So it's just Mark and I. And so now it's like rediscovering this new, like, how are we going to have fun? What do we want to do? But last fall, or I guess in January of last year, we did a marriage challenge. And one thing I learned about keeping fun in your marriage is there is a lot of resources out there for couples in relationships. There are tons of podcasts. There's lots of apps on your phone. Intimately Us, the Naked Marriage Podcast. Um, the anatomy of a marriage. These are all things and resources that are available to keep your marriage fun and keep your relations fun no matter what season you're in. That's good. You want me to go? Go ahead. All right. Mine's short and sweet. Just thinking about the season when our kids were smaller, one of the things that Elaine and I adapted to in that season is because, you know, you can't, it's, it's a lot harder to, to communicate and, and flirt sometimes and all that kind of stuff. So we went to the texting, and um, and we just found some code words and we found some emojis <laughs> that would help us throughout the day. It's or all our secrets. Yep. Just here it is, guys. Unfiltered. Everybody wants to know what the code words and the emojis yeah. are right now. That's, that's a, what everybody wants. That's to a know. different different day. Different different day. But uh, but you know the the point for us was you know it. You know, it, at the beginning, it wasn't something that we were, you know, I mean, of course, when we first got married, texting wasn't really a thing. <laughs> I had a pager. Um, but, <laughs> and then we had the phones where you had to hit the button like three times for every letter, you know, to get. But, um, but later, especially after the kids kind of got to a certain age, that was one of the ways we kept it fun is we could communicate back and forth with each other and we could kind of flirt and kind of, you know, cue each other in on where we were at a little more creatively, so... Yeah, that's good. Pastor Bill. I'll share my emoji list later. So I guess we're going according to age. Um, so when we got married, we didn't even have phones, let alone texting. So one thing that we always did is we always made sure we had a weekend to get away. Um, one, the other thing that we realized real quick is that we'd take the day off and travel who knows how far to see a kid play sports. So why don't we take a day off to travel nowhere to have our own sports? That was one of the things that we started doing because that created the fun in our relationship. As we progress, because now we have no kids at home, it's just going to little places and doing the little things together. I was once told, don't look for the Hallmark movie, look for the Hallmark moment. And that's what we have to look for in everything that we do. That was really good, really good. <laughs> I think to, to summarize what everyone has said, and, and this is so true, it, and it's a principle, really, that we talk about in so many ways, but it's the principle of grow or die. Things, things, you don't maintain anything. If you're talking about your relationship with God or even your calling, your purpose, pursuing that, if you're, if you're on the very spiritual side, or you're just talking about your golf game um, or whatever girls do, um, not that you can't play golf. I just couldn't think of an analogy. Or you think, you know, shopping. I don't know. I don't know, whatever. Anyways, um, going to get caught. I don't know, whatever. Um, you know, you, you grow or you die. In other words, you either get better or you get, or, or you get worse, but you don't stay the same. And I think that's the biggest misconception in relationships is we can do nothing and stay where we are. Like we're in a good place. Things are good. We just, you know, stay where you are. And the truth is, no things typically deteriorate, just like with God. If you, if you, if you say, well, where God and I are at today, well, the reason your relationship's growing with God is because you're on a date with God this morning. I mean, just to put, you, you set a time and a place to show up and meet with God. It's a date. And, and so what I'm hearing here is, is the secret, really, of all relationships, and these can be marital relationships, kid relationships, parenting, whatever, is intentionality. 
That's what everyone has said. Essentially, if I put what everyone said in one word, it's intentionality. How are you intentionally investing in whatever relationship it is, if it's a marriage? And I think, it wasn't it J-Dub? Who was it that said, guys, we just kind of, you know, yeah, because we always go to Roadhouse or whatever it is. That was J-Dub. And, and guys, let me just say that. That is true about guys. We just, you know, um, it's the old adage where the, the, the wife said, you never tell me you love me anymore. And he said, well, I told you I loved you once, and anything changes, I'll let you know. You know, <laughs> that is not a way to a healthy relationship. That does not work. You know what I'm saying? And, um, of course, I'll tell one other joke because there's a guy driving a truck in his back when you had bench seats. Anybody have a bench seat in their truck back in the day? Yeah. And um, I had tr- my first truck had a bench seat. But anyways, um, which was great. Because, cause who, you know, whoever you're dating could sit close to you. You know, that was wonderful. And um, I may go back and get one of those. But um, <laughs> it looks odd with Janice sitting on the console. Anyways, um, <laughs> but uh, this, you know, this lady, she saw this couple at a red light, and, and they were sitting together in the truck. And she said, honey, you remember when, when we used to sit like that in the truck? And he's over there, and he said, well, I never moved. Anyways, point is, be intentional. As Elaine said, there's a lot of great resources out there. But, you know, set it, like Pastor Dove was talking about, set a date night. You know, find different ways. Ask questions. There's a lot of great things, but be intentional. All right, here's the second, second question. Um, as we grow, how do we maintain a healthy relationship? And I think we've kind of spoken of this a little bit. But, but when we want, in, in other words, if we want to have a rela- healthy relationship, what would be a key to having a healthy relationship? We'll take it that way since we kind of answered a lot there. If we want to have healthy relationships, give me a key. I think one of the biggest things is, um, I think, four Fs. Friendship. Be careful with those. I know. I'm, I'm going to clarify them. <laughs> and it's actually three because I lied. Um, friendship, fun, and flirting. You got to be friends first of all, which means you got to you got to share everything, deep conversations, no secrets. And then you got to have fun. Um, when we go work out, when Lori and I go work out, we constantly have fun, and I hate to work out, so that's a that's a challenge. And then the other thing is you got to constantly flirt, because you got to let them know what they mean to you. You got to let your spouse know where they stand in your life, because like J Dub said earlier, um, you know who do we love first? And that's what we got to demonstrate every time. So that, that'd be my advice. Yeah, that's good. So I'll, I'll answer this way. <clears throat> I think our, a lot of our present culture is, tends to be wrapped up in this idea of finding my soulmate. And you hear it often, it's sung about, and the misconception around that, it's kind of like what Elaine and I were speaking to a couple weeks ago regarding you know, finding the one, like just things magically happen if you find your soulmate and what I want to offer as a key is to understand that soulmates aren't born they're made so yeah go ahead give God praise for that it's his idea Um, but but what I want to underline with that is the the intentionality behind it kind of that we're speaking to the understanding that uh, good marriages work and that not just work out, but they work. They go to work. They roll their sleeves up every day. And it takes just a persistence because over time what happens is you become each other's soulmate. Because you're, we're both, can we just admit that on both sides of it, no matter what relationship you're in, you're both jacked up. <laughs> right? You both got issues. You both come in with stuff. You come in with baggage. But if you go in the mentality, yes, we're both imperfect and we've got issues, but we're going to see this through then at the end of it, what happens is after you go through all the hard stuff and you go through all the difficult things, you come out the other side as best friends. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. I think, I think if you're going to have a healthy, and you can add in. If you, did you have something to say? When you get started. Okay. <laughs> I think, you know, when you're talking about healthy relationships and how to maintain a healthy relationship, I think you have to maintain a healthy soul individually. And this is probably just the way I think, but but I think, you know, there's things that happens in relationships. 
or that happen in relationships. And I think it's very important that you deal with unforgiveness and you deal if you have unforgiveness, if you get hurt, if you have unforgiveness, you have resentment. Um, I think those are things that when you don't deal with those things, when you don't talk about things, um, you know, a lot of times you have the, the uh, there's a difference between a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And sometimes in a relationship you have a peacekeeper and what they do is they sacrifice themselves to keep peace. But that doesn't make peace. And it just keeps the peace until the next time. And I think sometimes we need to talk about things. Sometimes we need to go outside and get help with a pastor, a counselor, or something like that. But I think, I think to have a healthy relationship, you always, I always start with me, maintain a healthy soul. But what do you want to say? Well, you know, it's a question that says, as you age, yeah. you know, so, you know, your, you, your age grows, you know, you get older and older. And as you grow older, your body changes, the way you think changes, your experience changes, your relationships changes. People are in your life, and then some people are not in your life anymore. Some are there for a long time. Some are there for a moment. But as you age, it's going to change, and it's keeping you know your mind and your heart and your spirit sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is leading you as you age to maintain that healthy relationship, whether it's with your best friend, your spouse, your boyfriend. You know, It's just kind of keeping that in your, in your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next next one. Is it normal to feel like you love your spouse more than they love you? Yes. JW, you want to answer this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's I think it's very normal, and, and I'm, I, I kind of want to hit hit it from a few different ways. The first one we'll get out of the way is because sometimes we think too highly of ourselves, um, and, and it's out of like a, a well, I I love them more than they love me because I do this or I do this. And, and it's a little bit of a, a selfish, a selfish um, standpoint to come from. But an, another way to look at it is um, I know for me personally, it was all because of a previous relationship that wasn't healthy. And I was the one that was constantly giving, giving, giving. So when it got to the new relationship, which is now my wife, I remember I asked her, I mean, every day, it's like, hey, hey, you still like me? It's like, we still good here. It's like, you still like me? Because I, I, I brought you, I brought you uh, donuts this morning for breakfast, but I didn't see you bring me lunch. Like, like do, you, do you still like me kind of thing? And, and I'll, I'll never forget, she, she came up to me and she used my whole name. Um, she said, James William. She said, if you ask me that one more time, I am breaking up with you. And I said noted but it didn't mean that I never thought about it again like I thought about it a lot but I think as you get older there will be seasons in your life where I, I love when we talked about the 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 50 percent of a given 50 and I get 50 we make 100 there are going to be seasons in your life where maybe your spouse is going through something maybe it's hormonal maybe it's it's a loss of a friend or a family maybe they're going through something at work and there're going to be times where you need to step up and love them maybe more than they can love you and you have to be willing to give of yourself in that matter because when you got married when you signed up for the friendship there are times even this steps outside of out of your marriage and in with your friends it's like man I'm a good friend but I don't feel like I have good friends that are back toward me so, so we get in these places where we do feel like that. But then we get, and this will maybe even lead into the next question um, or, or another conversation in a minute, but, but do you know how your spouse needs to be loved? Because we all deserve and desire to be loved differently. So for me, I would be like, man, I'm loving my wife good. It's like, but I don't feel the, the reciprocation and what, what I found out and realized was I was loving her the way that I wanted to be loved. But it wasn't really, you know, filling her love tank. I was like, man, I really love words of affirmation. Like, praise me. Tell me I did a good job. Don't just say thank you, right? Say, man, when, when you mowed the yard, you looked so good when you mowed the yard. <laughs> I saw the lines in the yard. And it, it was just, we have the best yard on the block. I'm like... <laughs> Like words of affirmation. So I would tell Kayla, I was like, babe, I was like, that those new shoes you bought, they look really good. You're so pretty. Like I would be telling her all these things. Like, man, I'm loving her so good. I was like, and then she'd be like, thank you. I'm like, tell me something back. It's like, 
but I was loving her the way I wanted to be loved. And what I realized was it didn't really speak to her that much. So in her mind, it was like, he's just telling me nice things. It's not really showing her love. So really learn how you need to be loved and then how your spouse needs to be loved. Because I guarantee you, if you do that, both of you will love each other well. Um, and, and like I said, you might get to seasons where you do love the other more than, more than they love you. And that's okay. But don't stay there. Like, you, you, you don't stay there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that was really, yeah, that was a great answer. I thought it was a great answer. And I, th- and I loved what you said because it is true in relationships, we need, you need to be aware of what the other person is dealing with. And you need to have a relationship where it's safe enough for them to tell you what they're dealing with. Um, and, and then with that, sometimes there are seasons where they, they can't give as much to the relationship because of difficulty. And in those times, that's when we say, okay, I, I think in marriage, one, one of the things, you know, that I've heard many times, y'all have heard it too. Too many times it's just a, nego- a negotiation. You know, like if you do this, like you said, I loved you, love me back, you know. And I think so many times we, you can kind of get into that. We, like we, we give, and then if we don't feel like it's reciprocated, then we lower what we give. And, and then we say, well, I'm not going to do that because you didn't do this. And man, those are all just terrible terrible things that can happen but I love the sometimes you know there's someone that can give more how do we here's a question so so there's you know many people have heard of the book uh the five love languages and um, what are they there's words of affirmation uh acts of service quality time quality time physical touch and gifts right that's your five so let's go through those somebody go through those again words of affirmation quality time receiving gifts Acts of service and physical touch. Yeah. So the book is saying categorically, out of those five, most people have a primary and a secondary, and and you can take a test and and I think there's I think it's good. I think I, I a lot of people. So I get probably some people don't like it. Some with everything, some people don't like it. Some people do like it. I personally liked it because it, it helped me understand me. It helped me understand my kids. It helped me understand the people around me. Um, you know, like I know Luke, Luke is a gifts person. Gifts are a big thing for Luke, and he likes to be surprised. He likes for you to buy the gift. Mariah is like me. Gifts are great. We want gifts, but we want to give you the style, the size, and where to get it. We want to send you a link, and you buy exactly what we told you to buy, and we will receive it with gratitude. Right, so we're we're the same, you know, and then and then gifts. To my youngest son, it's it's not his primary thing. Like he, we we beg him every year for a Christmas list. Like, can you just tell us what you might want? And and so it is. It just using that example is different. Um, but but how do we? And this is a great question. So how do you? What what's some ideas or, or principles? I guess for what Jada was saying, they, they receive love or their love language, we could say, the way they love is different than mine. How do we love someone that has a different love language or maybe we don't even know what it is? Yeah. I think, I mean, Jada answered it so well because, you know, your love languages are different. And number one, I think it's, for me, it's finding out, okay, what is my love language? And then I have to tell him, hey, this is my love language. Just so you know, this this is my love language. Sometimes I'm slow. So because most of us are. I don't want him to guess. I don't. He doesn't need to guess what my love language is because if he's trying to guess what my love language Help is, me. then it's probably going to be wrong, yeah. you know. And so, number one, find out what your love language is. Tell your spouse what your love language is, and then if it changes over time, tell them again. Remind them, hey, this is this is kind of where I'm at. We were talking about this last night, and I told him, I was like, I, what is your love language? It's like. Do you even have a love language? <laughs> he's so easy and calm. Like, he's calm and easy all the time. We went through all of them and kind of. Yeah, put you're him a little this and you're a little that. He's kind of like a little of everything for him. But I think it's realizing that, you know, your spouse is going to have a different love language and that is okay. It is not going to be the same as what you have, but it's discovering what that love language is and then meeting that need the best way that you can, you know, whatever it is. And, and for, you know, for women, I will say this. I mean, maybe I'm not like all the women, but it's the little things that matter. It doesn't always have to be this big grandioso thing that you have to do for women. It's the small things that matter. It's the little things. It's him folding the laundry. I'm like, hey, yes, baby. 
Mm, thank you. Guys, did y'all hear all those amens? Like this church, yes. it just tilted to Pentecostal right there. Yeah. I mean, all, there were hands in the air. Oh, There's yeah. hankies, I think, in the back. Praise, I mean, really, I called the other day. I was having to work late, and he was home, and I called. And I was like, hey, he was out of breath. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I've been sweeping him up in the house. I'm like, oh, blessed Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But hey, guys, it's a key it's to the little successful things. living. We like just the like, big things, but the little things mean just as much as the big things do. Uh, I, I want to add to that. I, I counseled a couple one time. They're not here, so don't don't worry. Don't look around. Uh, it's been several years ago. Um, and we, it, what had kind of part of their story was they'd gone to a seminar or workshop about the love languages, and apparently, you know, uh, the man's wife was trying to help him out. And... His position that he was choosing to take was, I mean, and they were an older couple. They'd been married a long time. Like, well, I don't want to do that. Like, I, I all that love language stuff, like, I just want to love her like I want to love her. And you know, part of, <laughs> you, you get surprised sometimes by people because you think, I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought this of that person because he's, you know, pretty, pretty even-keeled guy. But what I told him was, you know, listen, you know, you, you're choosing not to love your wife by making that decision. Because it's kind of like the way that I've heard it explained before, and I didn't think of it in that moment, but I've heard it relayed this way. Let's just assume this is hypothetical, that somehow you got married to your spouse and you spoke different languages. You know, you spoke English and your wife speaks French. You're telling your wife you love her, but she doesn't speak English. Are you going to just say, well, it is what it is, or are you going to learn French? And I think what part of the challenge that's representing the, you know, this for all of us is to be willing to meet our spouse where they are or whatever relationship it may be, but find out what that love language is or what that, that what kind of, you know, like, like for, for Elena, you know, me mopping and sweeping the floor. To me, that doesn't feel sexy. <laughs> just, just doesn't. To her, it's a huge You're deal. You're just not doing it right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe I should change my soundtrack when yeah, I'm doing it. You need a different playlist. <laughs> but but just encourage you to say that that be willing to to speak the language your spouse speaks. And I heard Jimmy Evans say this one time. It's one of my favorite quotes. Um, marriage is brutal on selfish people. Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah, that, that's a great. Go ahead, Dub or Bill, whichever. I I think the other thing is I'm sort of like Pastor Mark. I'm slow. Um, <laughs> I had to be intentional. When I found out what Lori's love language was, I actually had to start setting my alarm so I could do it. Yeah. Um, I don't have to do that anymore after 27 years. But at the beginning, I didn't understand it because I was that selfish guy. This was about what did I get out of my marriage. But once I start setting the alarm, putting the reminders up, it comes natural now. And it's a difference when you start your morning feeding your spouse with love instead of trying to end your day with feeding your spouse with love. That's good. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah. I yeah, you think, can clap if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good answer. Go ahead, Doug. You know, that's sometimes it's hard. It's hard to love someone that you don't know how to love them in that way. And I think sometimes it even goes back to, like, our childhoods. Um, and, and I know, like, for me, I don't think, I don't think she's in here this service. Um, for me, one she's of probably the, listening though. she's listening. One of the most incredible things that she ever did was when she realized that my love language was words of affirmation. It was probably her weakest. Um, and she completely shifted everything about how she loved to be able to love me that way. So you have to know going into it that you're willing to change. Yeah. Be willing to change for your spouse because it'll it'll last. So I think that's so good. And yeah, it's such a you know, the, the bottom line is is that you you want a um, you want a healthy relationship. You you want a healthy marriage um, or healthy relationships. And the bottom line is that it doesn't happen naturally. And I like what Bill said, you know, most most people would think, well, that's I'm not going to set an alarm every morning or every day. To But listen, when it's outside of who you naturally are, right, it's outside of who you naturally are, then you, you train yourself 
to love that person well, to, to be, you know, part of marriage is, yes, my needs are met, but part of marriage is I'm going to meet your needs. And I think it's Jimmy Evans that says it, and I don't know how, he does a whole message on serving in, in, in marriage. But the servant always wins. Like serving wins in marriage. How do you serve your spouse? And, you know, primarily when we're talking about languages, according to Ephesians 5, and we talked about this in the series, you know, Paul says, husbands love your wives, wives respect your husbands. And just to reiterate, just male and females do not communicate the same. Like if you've been around one, you know, right? They don't communicate the same, right? Um, just, I think I told the joke in one service, like, you know, I mean, if a female, like if your wife comes in, you know, someone your day, the, the female comes into the room and says, uh, we're out of toilet paper, that means something different than if a man comes into the room and says, we're out of toilet paper. See, if a man comes into the room and, and says, we're out of toilet paper, it's a courtesy. He's letting everybody know we're out of toilet paper, so if you intend to go, you need to, to have a backup. <laughs> what was the female, if she walked in and her husband's sitting there and she said, honey, we're out of toilet paper, what was she saying? <laughs> go to the store and get me some toilet paper. Now, if you're a guy, you're like, I don't, I don't get it. It, was, it because it's altogether different, right? With the man, it was about respect. I respect y'all enough to know I don't want y'all hung up back there. With the, with the female, it's about love and security. Love me enough to go get me some toilet paper. It's, it comes, I mean, as simple as that is, that's Ephesians chapter 5, everybody. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so the point is, we do have to learn the language for the other person. And, and like what Pastor Bill said, sometimes that just takes some discipline. And uh, it's okay to, to serve and be disciplined. And who was, did you say marriage kills you? Who was that that said that? What'd you say? Just now? Yeah, was it the you? Quote, yeah, it was a quote. What'd you say? Um, yeah, marriage is brutal on selfish people. Oh, it's brutal on selfish people, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But marriage, I think, is designed to kill your flesh. Yeah, and if marriage won't work, God will give you kids. <laughs> but he's going to kill you one way or the other. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, that's... Oh. Okay, here's a fun question. Uh, fun question. Is there ever a cause for divorce other than adultery or infidelity? I think it's a great question. And probably because of what we've walked through, I thought it best if we didn't answer the question. So we actually phoned in an expert to answer this question. So I'm going to let Jimmy Evans of Marriage Today, uh, the largest marriage ministry in the world, answer the question, is there ever a reason for divorce outside adultery and infidelity? So guys, play If you're clip. going to grow together in your marriage, you can't be an emotional decision maker. You have to grow in your ability to make mature decisions. People who are mature in decision making are not emotional decision makers. And the most painful life on earth is an emotionally navigated life. When you're constantly making emotional decisions. Well, why am I saying that? Because 86% of divorces are for non-severe circumstances. This is according to research. The vast majority of divorces are not because something really bad's going on. Now in 14% of the cases of divorce, something bad is going on. And there are three reasons for divorce. Number one is adultery. In Matthew 19, they asked Jesus, is it lawful to divorce your wife for any cause at all? And Jesus said, no. If you divorce your wife except for adultery, you sin and you cause her to sin. And the word for adultery there is porneia. It means egregious sexual sin. And so if your spouse cheats on you, it doesn't mean you have to uh, divorce them. It might be grounds for divorce, but especially if you have a cheater. If you have someone who's a serial cheater, someone who is immoral and will not repent, it can be grounds for divorce, okay? The, another is abandonment, if someone abandons you. Obviously, 1 Corinthians 7, the apostle Paul says, if, if someone abandons you and won't live with you, you're free. In regard to the law, God has not called us to bondage, but to grace. And so if someone abandons you, you know, and leaves you, well, you know, you, it's, it's unfortunate, but it can be grounds for divorce and, and you can go on with your life. The other is abuse, and uh, I have, uh, in all of my years of counseling, seen the most incredible abuse. Men abusing women, women abusing men, physically, mentally, and emotionally, and it's terrible, and it can be a form, or, or it can be a grounds for divorce also. Now, uh, we all suffer in marriage, 
okay? We're, we're married to imperfect people and we all suffer in marriage, okay? And so if your husband snores, you suffer. <laughs> all the ladies said, that's right. If your wife's a backseat driver, you suffer. And by the way, now ladies, you probably don't know this, but backseat driving actually causes men to snore. <laughs> it's in the Bible. They, they didn't go for that fellow, sorry, I tried. It was worth a shot. Okay, so suffering is discomfort, abuse is damage. Living in an abusive relationship means I cannot be a whole person in your presence. I am diminishing as a human in your presence, mentally, emotionally, physically. And I've seen all three. And I've seen all three men to women and women to men. If you're living in an abusive relationship, you get away from it. You don't let a person abuse you ever. You're too precious to God. And, uh, and I said this one time and some people that had been abused kind of got upset with me a little bit, but I, here's the way I say it. The first time you're a victim, the second time you're a volunteer. Get away from it. Someone's hitting on you, someone's being evil to you and abusing you, you get away from it, you get your children away from it. And I'm not saying necessarily that you have to divorce. What I'm saying is you get away from it and appeal to them and say, I love you, but you're gonna have to get real help with accountability and prove to me that you're different before I come back into your presence. Yeah. I think that was a good... That was a good answer. And I liked what he, what he said. 86% of divorces, based on current statistics, probably, or what he said, were not for severe circumstances or could have been saved. But there is 14% that put in, he put in that category. There was adultery, and, and that was serial cheating. Um, because we've worked with, with couples where there's been infidelity, but it was, you know, a one-time thing that was a, a grave mistake. And we watched God do miracles. Um, you know, and then he talks about abandonment. Someone leaves you, and he talks about abuse. I, I just would like to add this, probably because most people know we're at a church where the senior pastor went through a divorce, and I'm not going to speak to anything about me personally, but I do want to say this. Um, it didn't change uh, my value or our value as a church of, about divorce and marriage, and it doesn't change what we believe about Scripture. Um, what I would say, though, is if you feel like, and this is one thing that I would like to say, is 86% of the time, based on current statistics, the marriage was salvageable. Yeah. And you need, to, you need to work to salvage it, and, and, and I will, we will help you do that. Um, and also, you know, because I've had people throw around certain reasons for divorce, um, and um, what I'll say is, if it's an extreme case, there needs to be accountability and affirmation as to what you're dealing with. In other words, don't get with your girlfriends and decide you're in an abusive relationship. You know, well, my God, you know, you're, you're just being abused because he didn't mow the yard. Whatever. Right? Don't don't do that. If it's a severe case, it's there's been a process involved, there's been accountability involved, there's been counselors and pastors involved because you have worked to salvage it and then come to the place where it just cannot be salvaged. Right? And if it is, if you think it's abusive, don't stay, get out. But that doesn't mean you just get out and file for divorce. It means you get out. You petition for help, and you ask the other person to get help, and you give them time to see if they'll come into accountability and get help. In other words, <clears throat> the last thing I ever want is the fact that I've gone through a divorce. I'm not, you know, can't tell the story, not going to tell the story. I don't want that to be a license. This is, yeah, this is what, I'm, I'm just going to speak frankly to my church. My, someone else's situation is not a license for you to do something, Right? I had a, we had a couple right when, after I was, I was on sabbatical, we had a couple and uh, the, the man said, well, if Pastor Marty can get a divorce, I can get one. And I said, you send him to me. And if he's willing to do what I did, then we'll talk. And uh, he wouldn't come meet with me. 
And so that told me he was just using it as an excuse. And uh, I think that's not what we ever want to do. We want you to try to save your marriage, but there are extreme cases. We understand that, and we'll walk with you either way. And if you've been through a divorce, understand this. Um, it is true categorically, depending on how the divorce happened, it could be qualified, or, or the Bible. I want to filter here and be careful, because everything I say nowadays usually turns into something. Um, let me just say this. If you've been through a divorce, God God hasn't given up on you. You haven't committed an impardonable sin. You don't have to run around the rest of your life with a big D on your chest. Just know this. Let that be your last. Don't ever do that again. And do whatever you can to make sure you never have to do that again. Does that make sense? Like, if you're divorced, we love you and God loves you. We just hope you're never divorced again. Does that make sense? I don't know. Do you guys want to add anything? I probably created a lot of emails for us. <laughs> I, I just would add this. Um, without getting any into any detail, just to affirm what you're talking about, because it's, it's important. You know, what, when, when Pastor was talking about his situation, what I saw was directly connected to and participated in with him was a very highly accountable four-year process that everything was thrown at it to try to find the the right end and it just didn't but there was a there was work on both sides trying to figure it out and part of what we want you to know our value for marriage in this church is we will as pastor was saying we'll do the same thing with you we have done the same thing for other people and our commitment is especially as we go forward with some of the marriage ministry work that we're doing and putting into our culture it, there is a place for help so don't just stay inside your own head with it. What, you, what you're dealing with is, is real, but, but there's, there are different ways to help based on what's going on. So you're, you're emotionally involved, and that compromises your ability to process reality. That's why what pastors saying is so important. You have to get outside of your head and outside of your home and get people that you trust to speak truth into your life that can walk with you through it. And then understand that it's not just your lives that are being affected. From a family, divorce, parents divorced, my spouse's parents were divorced. Um, I'm still going through counseling 20-something years later for, for hurt and, and issues that, that I went through from, from those things. So understand that it's not just a selfish moment, but it's a lifelong decision um, that can potentially affect um, more than just you and, and go with go into any marriage with that kind of mentality um, and, and know that the 86 percent that we see most of the time is causing issues for the direct ones in your family so all right time to be real right <clears throat> so I'm I'm the other end of the thing okay I was divorced probably 28 years ago um, and walk through this in a way that, how do I say it? Basically, I was not a very nice husband when I met my wife. She had many reasons, many times that she could have packed and left. But what we learned is that everyone says, this isn't the one that God has for me. You're not the one God has for me. God honors the covenant of marriage just because it's not the one you think you're supposed to. So what we learned is the dedication to the covenant of marriage is stronger than the dedication to my spouse. And by keeping that covenant at the front of our marriage creates the love between each other. That's a great, that's a great answer. Okay, we're going we're gonna to take, let's see. Well, um, Let's see, how much time do we have? What should we take on? All right, let's, let's just run with this one. What is your uh, relationship pro tip? Like we want to, we'll end on this question today. What is your pro tip for relationship? You give somebody one, like here's your one thing. What is it and who wants to start? I'll go. Okay. Um, I'll say it this way. So, so guys, this is, this is a, this is a tip for you. Um, guys, we typically think that we operate on a point system in perpetuity. 
we like to win things. We like to keep score. Um, here's, here's, here's part of my pro tip is found in this nugget is all points reset to zero at midnight. So <laughs> now the only caveat to that sometimes can be a, a nice piece of jewelry or something like that. That can buy you maybe actually a two days, maybe three sometimes. But generally speaking, points reset at midnight. So if you did really good one day, then get up the next morning with the mentality of the game just restarted. And I've got to go, I got to go back on the playing field again and try, to, and try to win this game. And so if I can give you a nugget there, there's a quote that goes along with this I heard recently. It says, uh, if you don't like what you're getting, take a close, honest look at what you're giving. And I'll, I'll end with that. All right, you got to bear with me when I say this. <clears throat> Don't love your spouse. Be in love with your spouse. I realized real quick that I love Mexican food, I love to hunt, I love my dog, but those are all passive emotions. So Lori and I decided that we're going to be in love with each other, which means we start every day by pursuing each other. When you're in love with something, you pursue it because you can't get enough of it. That's really good. Well, my pro tip's not really so much, I guess, for marital relationship as far as it is for, uh, like, female relationships. You know, I have friends, you know, girlfriends and friends that I hang out with in relationships. And, you know, for me, I don't want to sound too cliche, but, um, you know, just be careful. Okay, I'll just say it this way. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you in your relationships when it comes to your friendships. When I approach a friendship or I meet someone new or a girl, you know, and you're like, hey, I like this person, we click. Um, I always kind of go, okay, God, is this someone you want in my life? Like, okay, how is this relationship going to look? Um, and just day by day kind of follow um, how the Holy Spirit leads me so that I can minister to them, you know, so I can love them right, so I can be who they need. You know, maybe they need something from me um, that I can give them. Uh, so I just try to be in any relationship, you know, as with friendships, just follow the Holy Spirit. See, how can I meet their need, and how can we make this friendship work? Does that make sense? I hope it makes sense, but that's just how I pro approach relationships with other, you know, females is just, you know, be led by the Holy Spirit. Be willing to go first. One of my biggest issues is when I see a couple fighting and neither one, both stubborn, and neither one are willing to change first. Well, I'm not going to do this until they do that. Or I'm not going to, let's be honest, I'm not going to have sex until he spends more time with me. That, that's a big one. Um, and, and the reality is, which one of you is going to go first? Like, like, who's going to go first? If, you, if neither one of you are willing to go first, to die to yourself, to die to selfishness, then you will be in that fight for a very long time. One of you has to go first. Be the one that goes first. Yeah, oh, that's good. <clears throat> yeah. Whoever loves God can go, whoever loves God the most can go first. How about that? Um, you know, I think my, my pro tip would just be be self-aware. And by that, I mean, you know, we, so many times we don't really know what our issues are. And what I mean by that, we, we don't always evaluate how things impact us, what's going on with us. And I think you have to be self-aware on, on your issues. Like if you have a rejection wound or rejection issue, I think you have to, you know, if, if, if you struggle with anger or if you struggle, whatever you struggle with, um, you need to be honest about your own struggle because you run marriage, you, relationships, you know, we're in tons of relationships. And what happens is those relationships hit those issues. And if, and if I don't know, here's, here's why. I need to know what's on my side and what's on their side. And I've seen a lot of people getting, you know, upset about something because truthfully, but truthfully, it was on their side. Just the other person brought it out. The other person hit the trigger. The other person hit the button. They didn't mean to. And this could be any relationship. But I need to be self-aware and take responsibility for me and know what my issues are and what my triggers are and what's going on with me. Otherwise, um, I'll be blaming someone else for what's going on with me. And let me just tell you this. Here's a secret. Whatever's going on with you is your responsibility to deal with. 
And the problem sometimes we have is what's going on with me. I think it's someone else that needs to fix it. Now, what's going on with you? Because there's two ways to adjust a relationship by either person in it. And so many times we want to adjust on the other side. So I'll just give you this one analogy and we'll be done. If I don't like the temperature in here, let's say I'm in this room and I think it's cold, right? And I do think it's cold every weekend. It's cold in here. I, it doesn't matter how much you adjust the thermostat in your house. It's not going to change the temperature of this room. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So many times we don't like the temperature in this room, and so we get to the other person in the relationship, and we keep trying to make them adjust the temperature in their room, thinking that if they adjust it, I'll get what I want here. Well, you could just adjust the temperature in your room. Does that make sense? So that's my pro tip. Amen. Well, this has been fun, everybody. Yeah, give everybody a hand. Appreciate our, our panel today, and I uh, hope you found this helpful and meaningful. And uh, we do pray for you and wish you the best, and we're also here to serve and help you if you need help. And so with that, I'm going to have everybody stand today. Our, our prayer team come, and Pastor Mark's going to close us out. Father, we thank you for relationships. Lord, you designed the blueprint for them. And uh, we thank you for this, this series of teachings that you've allowed us to, to learn from and to grow in. And just pray that it would take deep root in our hearts, that it would cause meaningful change. Because, Lord, it's not enough to hear the word, but we have to be doers of it. So I pray that you give us all the attitude of the doer today that we would lean into you, we'd lean into your Holy Spirit, and that ultimately we would choose to grow close to you and closer to those around us. So we just commit this time to you. We ask that you would bless all that are under the sound of our voices, that you'd bless them and increase them, that you'd enlarge their territory, Father. Give them greater capacity to love, give them greater influence in their relationships. And Father, we just trust that you will do miracles that you'll bring people closer together, Father, in, in marital relationships, that there be healings that would take place. Lord, in other relationships, that there would be healings take place and that there would be a drawing back together, Father, where maybe there's been disconnection or there's been distance. So we just commit this to you, this time to you, our lives to you, and we thank you for all these things that we're going to see you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, we would love to pray for you. We just ask that you come. If you're online and need prayer, you can text my pathway prayer to 94,000 outside of that. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next weekend at Christmas at Pathway. Bless you guys.